Our reading today is Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. Listen now to the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to their patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, it's... Uh it's a great day to, uh, to be here. Uh, we have a very special uh, guest speaker. Um, many of us just spent the weekend uh, with Mark Catlin, uh, who shared with us uh, from the Word, uh, just to reintroduce you to him, for those of you who were not at the retreat. Um, let me see. The most pertinent things are that Mark uh, has four kids, so um, he knows what most of you are going through right now. And uh, Mark is also the uh, co-founder of the Novum Institute, uh, which has a vision to see every Christian pursuing all of life as ministry. And so throughout the weekend, uh, he's been sharing the word uh, based on that theme. And so we learned about God's big story from Genesis to Revelation, that God is making all things new and that we are invited to be a part of that. And that to understand the scriptures, we have to connect our story to the story of God and what God is doing. And then he asks a very challenging question in our time of seminar, why do you exist? To really get at the core of who we are and how we understand what our purpose in life is. And then last night, uh, he shared with us about how God equips us for every good work. And, and thinking about the work that uh, all of us do uh, as ministry and how that can be a good work. And he went through some of the, the myths, that the lies that we buy into and hopefully uh, bring us out of that to, to listen to the truth of what God is doing. And so today he's going to share with us about how all of life can continue uh, to be ministry. And so please join me in welcoming uh, Pastor Mark uh, to the podium. Hello. You can hear me. Great. You can also hear that. Okay, just need to know what my range of motion is here. 
Uh, it has been a, a wonderful weekend, um, and not because of my teaching, that's not why I'm saying that, uh, <laughs> but uh, to be, although uh, I hope that was okay, um, but, but to be with uh, the community uh, of God's people where it was very evident that the Spirit is present with you. Um, it was a, a time of encouragement and refreshing for me to be among a people who are so committed to each other, to relationship with each other, and not just a relationship with each other, but relationship with each other within the covenant that God has made with us through Christ. And so it was a refreshing time for me, despite the fact that I didn't sleep that well. Uh, I feel refreshed, at least by the Spirit. My body is weak, uh, but the Spirit is willing here. And so it is uh, an honor to be with you now this morning in, in your home, and for you to welcome me to share the word with you. Uh, is a tremendous honor, and so I hope that the Lord will be at work uh, today as we dive into His Word. Uh, and Pastor David uh, is correct that uh, we had talked about this big story of God is making all things new. He's been doing that since Genesis 1. He's doing it all the way to Revelation 21 to 22. And if that's the case, then He's still making all things new now. He's still in that progression, and He's gathering a people to join Him in that mission. And so we talked about this big idea for our weekend, and that continues into this morning, and that is that God calls, equips, and encourages us to pursue all of life as ministry within His mission to make all things new. And so that language is very intentional for me. He calls us to this. He then equips us, and that's what we've been through this weekend. But now this morning, I want to focus on that He encourages us to continue in this mission. Um, and it's, it's a sobering reminder if we ask the question, why is it that we need encouragement? We realize, as, as you've experienced probably, following God is not the easiest thing to do in the world. It is costly. And not just because of persecution that comes from outside, but as a result of the mission itself. That if the mission of, of God calls us to love His people and love His world, there is a suffering that comes along with taking up your cross, denying yourself, and loving your neighbor. And so I want to talk about what that mission is this morning and then how the Lord encourages us to endure with hope that it is indeed worth it to continue to take up that cross. So this morning I simply want to convey to you through the word that we have in Romans 15 that God encourages you to stay on mission and to endure His mission with hope. And before we do that, let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful for this weekend that many of us have had to hear from your word, to be with your people, to hear from you. I pray that, that we have been able to ask, who are we in you? And to answer that question well, or at least begin to. Some of us are probably in an existential crisis right now, wondering who we are. So we pray that you would encourage us this morning, that you would speak to us about who we are, that we are your people. And yes, as we sang, that we have been welcomed as a stranger by Christ, who is now our friend, that we have been freed from sin, and we are free indeed. But will you remind us this morning that just as you have welcomed us as we were once strangers, that we are also called to welcome the stranger among us and in our towns and in our cities and in our homes in which we live. And that we have been freed for a mission this morning. And so as we dive into your word in order to live in obedience from it, in order to really understand it, in order to live out the call that you have for us, we need you for that. So we ask that you would be here with us this morning and that you would go with us as we are sent out from here. I thank you for this church, your body, the body of Christ, where the Spirit dwells, 
We pray that we might become a little bit more like Jesus because of our time together this morning. And we ask this in his name. Amen. We're going to read the first few verses here again in Romans 15. If you have a a copy of the scriptures, read it with me. And then I'll I'll tell you a little bit of a story about when I needed encouragement uh, and something that I had to endure. And then we will ask why we might need that. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Do you see what happens when we're in the people of God? There are things that we have to deal with. They're called us, right? We have to bear with the failings of the weak. And you're thinking, I know, these, these people next to me, they are so weak, and, and I am so strong. Uh, but I, I'm willing to bet that you have your own weaknesses, and other people have strengths that they have to carry for you. It's, that's why we build up one another. It's why we love one another. There's a mutuality that happens, a reciprocity within the people of God. And in order to bear those burdens, and I'm going to talk about a little bit why that is and where it comes from, uh, we need encouragement in order to continue to do that. We need encouragement in order to continue to do that. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but dealing with you is tiring. I'm 6'4", 240 pounds. Carrying me is a load. As a result of my being 6'4", 240 pounds, I'm not a runner. We talked a little bit about this this weekend. My son, my oldest son, Sam, he is a runner. Uh, He loves to run, and it's confusing as to why he loves to run. But he just loves to run in circles, and he would do it all day if we let him. And so in third, fourth grade now, he runs cross-country, which is such a strange concept to me. But he loves it, and there was one time where I decided I was going to get into shape. And so I did. I was 26 years old. I had finished master's work. I was taking a break before applying to PhD programs. And uh, there were three things that I said I always wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to run a half marathon. I wanted to swim competitively. And I wanted to learn to play the piano. Yeah, the little kid just said, what? (laughs) I don't know, man. That's just who I am. I'm a weak person. I don't know. And so I did all those things. Uh, there was a, uh, a guy that I was in school with. His dad was the coach for the Swiss national swim team. And he looked like a swimmer. His shoulders were out here. His waist was down here. My shoulders were roughly here. My waist is up there. <clears throat> and we saw a little bit of a shift. But, uh, and so he trained me to swim competitively. I never swam in a competition except I raced him one time. And he said, uh, here, let, let's race. I was like, why, why would we do that? I'm like dog paddling and you're swimming very quickly. He's like, don't worry, I won't use my arms. I was like, so if you beat me, that's even more insulting. Please use your arms. He's like, you know what, I'm not really going to use my legs either. I'm just going to dolphin kick all the way down. It's like, again, more insulting. 
So we would race, and he would win, and he would make me think that I was doing fine. I'm swimming as hard as I can, and uh, I feel like we're, we're neck and neck, and I can kind of see him. Then I would look over right where we're about to get to the wall, and he would literally, he would smile at me, and then just kick a little harder and beat me. Uh, that's not encouragement, by the way. Don't, don't do that. I did learn how to play the piano a little bit. I took four months of lessons from a friend. I even had my own little recital with five people there. It was beautiful. I trust that you believe that. Uh, but then I also ran a half marathon. This was by far the hardest thing that I did. Um, and it took a, a lot of training. It took a lot of hard work. It wasn't something that naturally came to me. Uh, I prefer sports where I can run for a short burst, hit somebody, stop, and, and then go do it again. Uh, that's what I wanted. Not just run for no reason. I go out and run, and I share this this weekend. And after about 30 seconds, I'm like, why, why am I running? There's no one chasing me. Uh, I'm not chasing anyone. There's no ball to catch. I don't understand what I'm doing or why other people do it. Uh, if you do do that, just you're slightly crazy, and that's okay. But I was training for this half marathon, and uh, a few days leading up to the race, I trained for like nine months for this thing. A few days leading up to the race, I was trying to go at a nine-minute mile pace. I got sick, and so I was kind of in the bed, just kind of uh, there with, you know, all things, manner of things were happening. I'm still sick the morning of the race. My wife comes in and says, Mark, do you still want to run the race? It's like, are you kidding? I've been training forever to run this race. I am going to run this race. So I do. Uh, using the word run is stretching the definition of the word run a little bit. First five miles, I felt good. If you're wondering how long a half marathon is, it's 13.1. So I felt good the first five. Then I was like, oh, I feel terrible. And so I am just kind of sludging along, barely putting one foot in front of the other. And slowly, as that happened, word got to my friends who were already waiting for me at the finish line, wondering, where is Mark? I thought I came to see him run this race. And so one friend after another would come and run alongside me. And they wouldn't really say anything. They would just run with me. Then they would run for a mile. Then somebody else would come alongside me and run with me for a while. And this was not embarrassing to me. It was, it was quite moving. It kept me going to have a friend running alongside of me who didn't have to be in the race that I was running. And then as we get close to the finish line, several friends kind of, I think this is totally illegal. I was probably disqualified for the race. <laughs> By the way, if any of you are real runners, like, you can't do that. Well, I did. And um, so several people come, and they meet me. That's probably about 200 meters from the finish line. And as they're running with me, uh, I was 26 at the time. This guy was probably 80, just goes blazing past me. <laughs> Fairly certain he had an oxygen tank in tow. I was like, can I, can I get a hit of that, please? Um, so he doesn't. He's not very nice. He just runs right past me. And a friend behind me gets right behind me and goes, you're going to catch that guy. So, you know what? I am going to catch that guy. It's like, when I tell you to... You just build up and you just sprint as fast as you can. You will beat him to the finish line. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm taking that man out. <laughs> and so my friend says, go. I, was like, I could hear the music playing in the background in slow-mo. I might have actually been running in slow motion, but I'm, I'm running. I passed this guy with 10 meters left. And I could, I could hear in the back as further encouragement, Mark, he's fading. You've got him. I'm like, we are now crushing this man's will to live. And so I pass him with 10 meters left. I feel really good about myself, and I finish the race. 
in that moment, uh, I was very weak and I needed people to come alongside me to encourage me. It was something that wasn't very natural to me. I was out of my comfort zone in doing that sort of thing. And the scriptures use this metaphor of a race a lot, that we are running a race. And if we were to go to the book of Hebrews, we would see this, and there's a cloud of many witnesses that is there and so that help us endure through the race. And so these people are our encouragers here in this text, the scriptures are the one who meet us in the middle of our race, when we're out of our comfort zone, when we feel like we can't take another step, we're sick and we're tired and we're failing, our legs feel like jelly and we're running. It is the scriptures, and that's why we meet every week to hear from the word of God, is it is through the encouragement of the scriptures as we endure that we find hope. And Paul is dealing with a very particular issue that the church in Rome is trying to endure and run through, And so he selects a very particular set of texts to encourage them to keep going in this mission. Look at what they are trying to endure, and look at how Paul uses the scriptures to encourage them. Back in verse 1, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. What is the situation that he's talking about? Who are the weak and who are the strong? We've been talking about this in chapter 14. And there are these people who have now joined the church in Rome, and they're not sure what obedience looks like. They still maybe feel like they have to do aspects of the law in order to be a part of the people of God. And then there there are other places like Corinth where people are coming from a different religious background, but they've joined the community of God, and they're not real sure what to do with their idol worship, and what do they do with food that's been sacrificed to idols. And so people don't know what to do with it, and so they're starting to cast people out who are struggling with their identity in Christ because they're strange. The identity that they struggle with, the issues that they struggle with, are strange to us because they're from a different culture, a different place. Do you know why these people of different backgrounds and religious backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds are coming together? It's a natural result of the mission of God. God is gathering a people of, from every nation to be under one King Jesus, and they are no longer divided along ethnic lines. Particularly along Jewish and Gentile lines. The, the early church, as the gospel went forward, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you read the beginning of, of Romans, Paul talks about the gospel first going to the Jew, then to the Greek. Paul had this practice in Acts where he would show up in a city, he would go and preach in the synagogues, and then he would also preach to the Gentiles. And eventually he becomes just the missionary to the Gentiles. And so what happens in these churches is that Gentile people are now joining Israel in their mission to be a light to the nations. And when people who are not like you start to come into your community, there's conflict. But the conflict is not a result of doing something wrong. It's actually a direct result of doing something right. That is being part of the mission of God. And this is what we have talked about all weekend for those of you who are on our retreat. God is making all things new. Every square inch is His. Wherever you're going, you are sent there by God to make all things new. He is doing that through you. Whether you're at work, you're at home, or whether you're here, you don't simply just gather here. You've been sent here by God to be equipped, to be sent back out to be like Jesus where you are. And what's going to happen as a natural result of you gaining a vision of being sent out is you're going to gather people in and they're not like you. There's going to be conflict in your community. And here's what you're going to think. Maybe it's better if they're not here. Wasn't it easier when we just had our safe community? Wasn't it easier when we all had the same vision and we have nice fellowship and sweet fellowship and man, that is good. But the whole point of this and the songs that we sang and what Christ is, that's why he says... um, And in verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ died not to please himself, 
But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. The church in Rome wants to quit on the mission of God because it's comfortable not to be on mission. It's comfortable to be always who we have been. It's comfortable to be around people who are just like us and and that we've been friends with for a long time. But if we are doing the mission of God, naturally what happens is people who are not like us start to join because Jesus is their king as well. Jesus is their savior as well. And so he said that Christ welcomed us as strangers. And so he says, therefore, welcome one another. If you're on mission for God here, what's going to happen is your community will begin to change. Your legs are going to start to feel weak. And you're going to think, I don't know if I want to finish the race. And that's where Paul brings in this this collection of scriptures to encourage you. No, 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 no. Keep going. So he continues, May the God of endurance and encouragement Grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One voice with those who are already here and those who you are continuing to gather in. Therefore, verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. If you forget how Paul has described what you were when Christ welcomed you, do you remember this from Romans 5? If you have a Bible, flip over to Romans 5 and let's remember who we were. The strong need to deal with the failings of the weak. Why? Well, remember who you were when Christ died for you. Look at chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You were weak. You were ungodly. You were a sinner. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. You see how Paul's drawing directly off of what Christ has done for us, the way that he described who we were in relationship to God and is saying, so even if you think about the world that way, it doesn't matter. If you think about the world as your enemies, if they're just sinners, if they are ungodly, it doesn't matter. In fact, maybe it matters because that's exactly who you were supposed to be to them. Die for them. Reach out to them. Live for them. Build them up. Call them into your community. And it will be tough. There will be conflict that results from it. But if you're on this mission of God making all things new, then he's calling you to this. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to equip you for it. And then as you feel like you want to quit on this mission, he will encourage you in the midst of it. He will not abandon you if you are on his mission. So therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Now this second set of verses as he moves on goes into the collection of texts. He, he practices what he preaches. He says the scriptures are going to encourage us. And so he brings in the scriptures. Now uh, I'm an Old Testament professor. And so uh, I want to show you that the scriptures he's talking about are the Old Testament. I, I like the Old Testament. And he brings to bear a huge chunk of the Old Testament to say this is the mission. Don't give up. Verse 8. 4. So welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? Because, for, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised 
So he became, he was a Jew who served Jews. Why? To show God's truthfulness, that God's promises to Israel that he made in the Old Testament, he is faithful to them. He is faithful to his people that he chose. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and... And, it's not just about God confirming the promises in your own community. And, verse 9, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Do you see what He's doing? God had chosen a people, Israel, in the Old Testament. What were they supposed to be? What was their purpose? Yes, He called them out from the world in order that they may be what? A light to the nations. And you can see this in the law and the prophets and in the writings over and over and over again. That they struggle with this identity that God has chosen them, yes, but what has He chosen them for? He's chosen them for mission. And part of their failing in that is they forgot who they were. They forgot that they were a light to the nations. And so what was the mission of Christ? He was to come to that people not only to redeem them and save them and, and die for their sins, but also transform them into a people who would then be faithful to their mission as a light to the nations, to the Gentiles, those who are not like them. And so he says, as it is written. He brings in the scriptures to encourage them and look at this. Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name text in 2 Samuel and in Psalms. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. Another text from the Psalms. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. And again, Isaiah, the best book in the Old Testament, best chapter in the Old Testament, it's Isaiah 46. And if you want to read about that, there's a little known work on it that I'm not sure that you can actually find anywhere except my computer. The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles. So, do you see the commonality in all the Old Testament texts that he uses to encourage them on the mission that they're on? Guess what they all include? A mission to the Gentiles. Yes, even from the Old Testament. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, says the psalmist, and sing to your name. And again, it said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. He is not speaking to Gentiles when he wrote this text. The psalmist is a Jew crying out to a God who is also the God of the Jews and to the Gentiles. Isaiah, the text there, is talking about the Davidic king, the promise to Israel that they will have one who rules over their nation, but also rules over all nations. The mission of Israel was always beyond them, but it was always through them as well. This is, I think, a huge part of what Paul wants to get across to them. If I were to ask you what is the purpose of Romans, I wonder what you would say. If I were were to ask you what is the purpose of Paul's mission, I wonder what you would say. There would probably be a lot of really wonderful answers Uh, Among you, there would probably be justification by faith would come up as a really important thing. And it is very important. But it has an end goal to it, I think, for Paul in Romans. If you're talking about Paul's mission, what was his goal in Acts? It was for people to come to faith. And I think that would be correct. And yet, their coming to faith has an end goal to it. Why do I say that? Well, it's what I've been saying all weekend. And so I have to continue to say it, lest I be contradictory. I, I can't do that. But I also say it because he explicitly says it here at the beginning and the end of Romans. 
Romans 1, he opens this letter and he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament, important. Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, it was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship for what purpose? Did you hear what Paul said? He said a whole bunch of highfalutin stuff about the gospel. Beautiful, theological, Old Testament stuff. And then he says, for what purpose? I have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among whom? All the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Look at the end of Romans, lest you just think I'm making that up. And Well, maybe that's what Paul's about. Is that what, is that what God's about all the time? And I'll read this as our benediction at the end of the service, but I want you to see it now to see how Paul bookends the letter to the Romans with the goal of the obedience of faith among all nations. Now to him, chapter 16, verse 25, who is able to strengthen you, to encourage you, so that you endure and have hope according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith. The only wise God be glory forever more through Jesus Christ. Amen. You see what Paul's goal is and why this is so important to him? That you welcome those who are not like you, that you be on mission to a world beyond the walls that are here, in your home, at your work, as you go along the way, as you are playing wherever it is that you play with these kids. I'm sure there's some scattered across New Brunswick by this point. At least my kids would be. And as you go, wherever you, it is that you go, God is sending you there on mission. And what's going to happen is you're going to encounter people who are not like you. And if you have a missionary mindset that is the mind of God, that His goal and the reason that you have received grace and the reason that you have been sent out is so that you might be a part of God's mission to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations, then you will have the desire to welcome them in. But if it's just about preserving the community that you already have because you like it, you know what you need? The encouragement of the scriptures to remind you that this has always been God's mission to, yes, develop a strong community, but then be sent out and gather more in. And then he ends in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You know, I know Paul thinks this is going to be difficult. In the three verses, he prays for these people twice. If you remember earlier in 15, verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. He's writing to them and he's like, Hey, this is going to be hard. I need to say a little prayer for him right now. So may God, the God of endurance and encouragement, grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another. And then he ends in verse 13, this section, by praying for them again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so you need the God of endurance and encouragement and hope to fill you with all joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're listening to me and you think, this isn't going to be easy, 
You are correct. And yet, you're called to this mission. If you weren't called to this mission, you wouldn't be sitting here. Paul earlier in Romans has been talking about this endurance and this hope. Go back to Romans 5 and read the first part of what he says. So I get the endurance part. You want me to endure. I get the encouragement. But where is my hope found? How do these things get together combined to have hope? In uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we know this text. uh, These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I often feel like if we were to write the letter, we would say, faith, hope, and love remain. And the least of these is hope. I get faith. Uh, justified by faith, that's great. I get love, God's love, and so I'm supposed to love people. But what is this hope thing? What I want you to see is, I think the reason that we tend to struggle with the concept of hope is hope necessarily implies that what you're going to gain from this is not going to be gained in its fullness until later. That what you want to happen, the fullness of joy, the fullness of the presence of God, The new creation vision of Revelation 21 and 22 that we've talked about is not till later. And right now you are called to suffer under God's mission to inherit that later. And so we like faith because we're justified now. We like love because God loves us now. But hope implies that we're not going to get everything that we want until later. That's why you need to endure now and be encouraged by the scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 5, he says something similar. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, suffering can come in all kinds of forms. And one of the great things about this weekend in talking with you, you have shared some of your sufferings with me. They have come in the form of, of illness that you have faced. They have come in the form of death of family members that you are still mourning and grieving. They have come in the form of trying to understand the mission of God and what He has for you. But here, I think the main suffering that Paul talks about in the letter to the Romans is the suffering that results from loving one another. And if it is suffering that results from loving one another, it is suffering that results from the mission of God. And therefore, that suffering you can do with joy. But you can only have joy in the midst of the suffering if you're doing it in hope. There is something in the future that your suffering is building up that you will inherit. And here's what he says. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that our suffering produces Endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love. Do you see how faith, hope, and love are woven seamlessly into Paul's theology here? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Here's what happens. We don't think that the suffering is worth it, but as we endure through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we start to look a little bit more like Jesus. And as we look a little bit more like Jesus, we remember His life. And what happened to Jesus? Well, He lived for a while until we know much about Him. But then He healed, He preached, He was persecuted, He suffered, He died on a cross. And if the story ended there, then there's not a whole lot to have hope in. But if you're beginning to look like Jesus, and your suffering, like the cross, is a result of loving people, then the end of Jesus is resurrection from the dead. An exaltation to the right hand of the Father. And so if you are following that pattern of living like Jesus, following the mission that He has for you, and loving one another, and bearing one another's burdens, and you are carrying your cross, like Jesus said, take up your cross daily, denying yourself. Loving your neighbor. If that is the suffering that you are experiencing as a result of the mission of God, then you know what your end is? It's resurrection from the dead. It's inheriting the new creation. Here's what he says in Romans 8. He says, So then, brothers, in verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you, do, if you choose not to take up the cross of suffering, of loving one another, you're just doing this in your flesh and you are serving yourself and not building up your brother or your sister. You're operating out of the flesh and death is the end. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Why? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I'm a son of God. I've been set free indeed. For what? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, that we are heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Check this out. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Did you catch the logic there? Why is it that he says that this is so important to, to take up our cross? Because this is the call, this is the mission of God, most aptly described and manifested in the body of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, in the incarnation of the Son of God. And what did He do? He loved people to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, not, it's not logically unrelated, therefore He was given the name that was above every name, and He was exalted to the glory of God the Father. And look at what this says. If we suffer with Him in that same mission, we will also be glorified with Him. We talk a lot in the church about the glory of God, and rightfully so. What do we live for? We live for the glory of God. Have you ever thought that your end is that God will glorify you? Sounds a little strange, doesn't it? You know what I hope? You know what I love? God glorifies me. Glorify me. Doesn't that sound strange? And yet Paul, when he talks about the hope that will help you endure through the encouragement of the Scriptures, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. One of the reasons I told you that I've looked at Genesis 1-3 to and compared it to Revelation 21 and 22 hundreds of times is that as I run this race, I want to quit all the time. One of the main encouragers that God has given me in the Scriptures is to remind me of where I'm headed, Revelation 21 and 22. One of the main encouragers He's given, given me is Romans 8 here. That I will be glorified with God. If you've ever read The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis, but if you haven't, do it. He struggles with this idea. Is it really true that God will glorify me? And he says, yes. 
And it has to do with what I talked about last night. That one of the things that God enjoys most is to watch His children do what they were created to do. And He delights in that. And if you do it now, He will exalt you later. And in that day, He will take pleasure in who you are. And so He will glorify you. He will sit back on His throne and see who you are and delight and revel in your glory. Because you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works that He prepared for you. So why would you dare to, to choose to suffer more by loving other people? Isn't there enough suffering in the world? Yes. And yet you do it because this is the mission of God. And you know what He does? He gives you a spirit to endure. And He gives you the Scriptures to encourage you. And He tells you it's worth it. You do realize that you suffer for all kinds of things that you don't have to, Right? Any of you uh, choose to go to college? (laughs) Did you go to class? Maybe some of you didn't, but anybody go to class? You went to that class and you endured that suffering because you thought whatever was at the end, whether that was a college degree or maybe it was a girl in your classroom or a guy in your classroom or whatever it might be, there was a party afterwards, but you had to go to class. I don't know what it is. Is it a football game to go to? Whatever it was, at the end of that, you thought the suffering of going to class was worth it. There was some end goal that was worth it. And ultimately, here's what we're saying. If we choose not to take on this mission, to welcome the stranger, we're saying, hey God, that looks nice, but you are not worth it. That new creation that you have waiting for me, that resurrected body, the glory that I'm going to inherit, I don't think it's worth it. So I choose not to. And yet we choose to take on all sorts of sufferings because of the value that we have. And Paul speaks directly to that in the very next verse in Romans 8. Why would we do this, Paul? Verse 18 in chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. How does the scripture encourage us over and over again, it gives us a vision of where this thing is headed. And if we trust in Christ and the mission that God has for us, that He really desires for us to pursue all of life as ministry and His mission to make all things new. And that includes welcoming people because Jesus is their King as well as ours. And there's a suffering that comes along with it. When we see that vision of what God has for us, we will say, yes, it's worth it. Bring on the nations. Bring on New Brunswick. Bring on New Jersey. Bring them on. And we want to bear their burdens. We want to welcome them because we know that they will have their satisfaction in their King, Jesus, because He died not just for me, but for them. And so, Paul prays for the people. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, because He knows that that thing, that glory that is to be revealed to us, revealed in us is in the future you have a taste of it now but the fullness of it is later so it's not a vision that you have directly in front of you and so the scriptures give it to you so he says may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus both together as one body because Christ has bought you but in accord with Christ Jesus and his mission that together you may want with one voice glorify God, Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another. 
And in verse 13, he prays, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope, even as you take on the suffering of love. Let me close with this. The other place that you can go, and I mentioned this this weekend, is you can go to the picture of new creation. But you can also go to the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. If you don't know what the suffering of love looks like, that looks like, read that narrative. And then realize that what Paul is calling you to is that story. But if you end with the crucifixion and you don't read forward into the resurrection, then there's no use for you taking up your cross. So here's what I encourage you to do this week. If you want the encouragement of the scriptures to be there, every night, read one of the crucifixion accounts in the Gospels. Then read our resurrection account in Revelation 21 and 22. And then ask yourself, is the mission of God worth my obedience to His mission or not? Here's what I pray for you. That the answer to that question is yes. And I think if you answer that question with a yes, you will see not only this community transform within these walls, but you will see the community around you begin to as well as they see Jesus with fresh eyes in his body, the body of Christ, Graceway Presbyterian Church. Let me pray for us. Father, you have called us to this grand mission. We have trusted in your son, Jesus Christ, for salvation from our sins, but you have called us to be saved from our sin in order to be on mission. You have called us to be conformed to the image of your Son. And here what Paul draws out in Romans 15 is the fact that conforming to his image is not just only our moral character, but is also looking like him on mission. And that includes taking up our cross. Denying ourselves and following you and welcoming the stranger. And Father, if we admit it, if I admit it, That is a burden that I don't want to carry all the time. Sometimes I don't want to carry it at all. And so what we ask is that you, as the God of endurance, as the God of hope, as the God of encouragement, would meet us in our race as we feel weak. And that you would come alongside us as we feel weak and that you would encourage us with it and just whisper into our ear and sometimes yell in our face, it is worth it. You are suffering with me on mission, therefore your end is glory. It's resurrection from the dead. It's new creation. And we will be with you. You will be our God. And we will be your people. And so, Father, may you cultivate in us hope. Give us a vision of who you are and what you're doing now and where all that leads so that, yes, we might have faith in you. We might love one another. And we may operate in all of that out of the hope of what is to come. We thank you for your word this morning. And we ask that as you have spoken to us, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. So that we would not deceive ourselves. So Father, cultivate in us the obedience of faith. That your mission may continue here, in this church, through this church, for the sake of the people that you have called to your name. And we ask for this in that great name of Jesus. Amen.